Telling how long I'm getting old, hey brother, and I'm getting ready to die. But there's one request that I must make before I hit the sky. And that request is something no man in his right mind did not deny. Cause when they put me six feet under, I'm taking a great big pizza pie now, pizza. Welcome, fellow baseball fans, to episode 56 of the Banished to the Pen podcast, a group baseball blog produced by diehard fans of the podcast, Effectively Wild, the daily show from Baseball Prospectus. I'm your host, Ryan Sullivan, editor-in-chief of NatsGM.com and the Baron of All Baseball Podcasts. This week, I am proud to welcome back author at Baseball Prospectus and friend uh, to us at Banish to the Pen. I've got Dr. Russell Carlton on the line. Russell, how are you? I'm well, and nobody ever calls me doctor. Come on. I know. That's why I had to put it in there. But as we were saying off air, if you work that long for your diploma, I'm giving yeah. you the credit you deserve. So I, I, I only drop, drop the, the doctor card when I absolutely have to. But uh, okay, so if, I, I might as well. Okay, yes, Dr. Carlton. <laughs> well, welcome back. It's great to have you. Uh, Thanks. Uh, I think since the last time we've had you on Banished to the Pen, you've uh, become a little bit of a celebrity in our world, uh, getting many mentions in the... Ben and Sam book, The Only Rule Is It Has to Work, and first and foremost, I just, I guess the place to start is, um, I wanted to have you talk a little bit about your role in the book and how Ben and Sam, you know, used you, if that's the right verb that I'm using, <laughs> and uh, kind of then start and then uh, jump off from there and start talking a little bit about the book. I mean, I'd love to say that it was this, that, uh, you know, there were these high-level meetings. I mean, most <laughs> of it, it was just kind of with Ben and Sam because you know Sam is my editor at BP and and Ben used to be um you know we we've gone back and forth and G chatted quite a bit and it kind of started out that way too i mean they they said hey you know do you remember when we talked about running an independent league team and i said yeah i kind of remember that and they said oh we're actually going to do that <laughs> and 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 you know and, and this is you know before it really became public knowledge and I said, oh, that sounds fun. And they said, you know, we're gathering together um, a group of people um, who would, you know, serve as something, you know, advisors and that we could kind of call on and we'll put you in the book. And um, so, okay, sure, I'll be happy to. Just, you know, I mean, I've worked with them long enough. And, I mean, it, it really just kind of took the form of I would get um, – I would just kind of get um, – G chats from from either one of them uh, with questions that that related to whatever topic they they had some of which appears in the book um, and they asked me for um, uh, ideas on them I mean there's the one email that I sent that 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 starts off you know chapter whatever it is and um, where they asked for you know how do we how do we build some team chemistry um, but mostly it was I, I, I'm sure they had this with with a lot of guys uh, that were um, uh, some of their uh, their advisory panel, um, it it really was just kind of I experienced it as just some late night G chat um, as they uh, as they were running this team. So plus they were out on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast, so it was even later at night for me. <laughs> so you know I was probably doing this at like one in the morning. Um, so uh, I don't know, maybe me being loopy was uh, um, a good or a bad thing, but that's the way it was. So how often would you say that they used uh, or that you talked to them? Once a week? Once? Twice a week? Kind of? Oh, no. No, it wasn't even that much. I mean, it was um, – I would say I had 
you know, over the course of what would have been last summer, I had maybe a handful of discussions over the the couple of months that that went into that, um, and they would be. Um, I'm just kind of in my head thinking there might have been seven or eight times where they um, they contacted me in some form, and sometimes it was just you know a quick little question. Sometimes it was more of a deeper conversation, um, sure. but uh, mostly, I mean, it was. Um, uh, it, it was it was a handful of times, and uh, you know they were obviously contacting other people as well, um, some of which are named in the book, and some of which uh, you know preferred to remain silent. <laughs> uh, and then the next question I have to ask you, I'm assuming you've read the book at this point mm-hmm. now. Um, yep. Just, I think I've asked everybody that I've had on the podcast or I've talked to is just kind of your general thoughts on the book itself. I'm in it, Yay! <laughs> right? I. I, ben was kind enough. He sent me an early copy and and uh, autographed it, and it was it was very sweet of him. And, and I actually got the book a couple of days before um, I was scheduled. I flew up to Cleveland, um, and I was giving a, a lecture at my my college alma mater, and so I took the book on the plane with me to read, and uh, and that was cool. And I, I remember I got to the the other side, uh, and my dad picked me up at the Cleveland airport, and I said, "Look, Dad, I'm in a book," and. Uh, <laughs> And you know, I it, it's it, it's um, you know this is all serious, and now you know I'm an, I'm apparently in a New York Times bestseller, which is just an odd thing uh, to to be able to say. But um, you know, it, it's just kind of that 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 novelty of I'm in a book. My here's my name in print, you know. <laughs> um, but you know, I the book was fantastic. I mean, it was very much it it was the idea of um, you know, just from a journalistic point of view, it, it was a, it was a great pitch because it's you know there's these these all crazy ideas that that we all have and oh you know we would do things so much more logically or we would do things more by the numbers and you know it, there's it, it's very easy to do that when you're just staring at a computer screen or you're playing it out in a sim or you're um, you're trying to um, um, just kind of drafted up on paper and thinking, oh, this would be a great idea, and then you, you know, you, you then see what it really took um, to implement some of those. And I think that a lot of what's missing in what might be called the greater sabermetric movement is some of that that I, those ideas around implementation. And this was a great field test of um, of of some of those ideas, and and by proxy. Um, you know what what a lot what implementing a lot of those crazy ideas would would feel like and uh, would sound like um, and I, I think that it's a good book to read um, not in the sense of you know abandon all of your your crazy ideas but just you know there are other things that you're going to have to think about and you know here's a report on you know we tried it you can learn from us and I think that you know, if anybody has ideas of you eventually want to do the same thing where you're you're working with a team of, of some sort and trying to implement this, that this is what you're really going to have to be up against and, uh, and, and what you're going to have to account for. Yeah, I think I expected uh, a lot more tactical maneuvering and discussion on that front. And what I really think that I got out of it, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I want to get your take on it is it seemed like shoot, at least the first 200 pages really revolved around team chemistry and team building. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, why are you know this baseball? Why are we talking about feelings? You know, and that's um, th- that's kind of the um, th- that was that was a big a big part of it. I think you're right. Um, you know, we we kind of we we it's very easy to ignore. Um, the people that are behind those little uh, those little blobs on your computer screen or your TV um, that are running around catching that ball, um, and it's it's a lot different when you you're with them up close. And I remember I interviewed Sam and Ben for um, uh, for an, uh, an article I did at BP, and I interviewed them about the book. And uh, Sam said, you know, it's it's hard to not um, care about. You know how the the thirty large men that you are spending thirteen hours a day feel um, a, as you are around them, and I mean it's a the the amount that 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 thought process played in the book um, that you had to keep the chemistry and the morale up. Um, I think says something. You know, maybe um, it is going to be very hard to research that sort of stuff, but I you know I, I think that. Um, that would be a fun one to if if there's even like tangential research that we can get done about how to improve that stuff. And I wonder, you know, if that's instead of looking at you know ERA estimators and all that sort of stuff and doing all sorts of gory math, um, you know, if if we would be better served just kind of um, focusing on on more of the soft factors and more about feelings and stuff, because you know maybe that's where really the the uh, there's the hay to be made. Well, that gives me a little bit of a segue I'm going to try to take, and it Uh seems like, uh, I don't know how much of it was your input or your idea, but the checking off their, the player's feelings or how they were doing that day and then putting it in a box and then, you know, essentially checking it at the end of the season, I wanted to know how much, you know, of that was your input idea or whatever word I'm looking for, and then to probably the more important question is kind of, as a, as a doctor and as a clin, you know a clinical doctor, what is your impression of that socio experiment that they're doing? And now I'm way out of my elements. Oh, no, it's okay. You know, I, I mean, I mean that was something that I I had a hand in. That was uh, um, that was one of those conversations that uh, that Ben and Sam and I had over GChat. That was, um, you know, we want to we want to do um, we want to look at you know how they're feeling and whether um, how they're um, how they're feeling then correlates with their their outcomes, and then um, you know there was the lockbox, and I I was actually I, I, I was suggesting the lockbox to them. I'm like you have to you have to give them that distance that you know you're not just um, you know they're handing them to you, and then you're opening them up right away, and then using that to make you know playing time decisions, for example. You really have to give them that distance, and so like Ben was Ben was on Amazon like looking up lock boxes and you're like, is this one okay? I'm like, it's okay. It's just, <laughs> just pick one, you know. But I love Ben. Um, He's gotta do the right thing. I love just, Ben, yeah. It's it's more <laughs> and actually it's it's probably more about the, you know, get it like a big, huge, shiny lock. It doesn't even matter if it works. Just get a big, huge lock. You know, yeah, all appearances. Absolutely. Right. And, well, I mean, but but also, you know, to make a point that, you know, we're we're not looking at these and and, and if you're going to you know, they said we're going to wait until the end of the of the season until we even look at these, um, so that you know people understand that that you're you're serious about this. You have to you have to respect people's rights as research participants in that case, um, but also you have to respect um, uh, their their feelings that they you know they may be concerned that you know what is this where is this going to go. 
Um, you know, and I, I also told him like, you know, keep whatever, whatever questions you ask, keep it short and keep it simple. Um, because people want to craft these, you know, perfectly worded questions that get it exactly what you're doing. I'm like, and then, you know, eventually by about mm, the third sentence, people fall asleep <laughs> and they just, I think they, and they went with like two short questions. And I think that was, uh, that was a good idea. Um, you know what? Actually, the the thing that I found was was interesting is in the book they talked about um, how um, there was this idea that even though a player may not have been feeling great that day, he still felt like he wanted to. He would still feel like he wanted to put like a six or a seven because there was uh, there was value in not admitting that he was not feeling great. And it was even just a way to lie to himself as a as a way of psyching himself up to be able to give his best performance that day. And as a researcher, that's not what you want to hear um, because you want people to be honestly reporting. But you know, again, that's just you have to include that sort of of uh, um, you have you have to think about that sort of an issue when you're designing your measures and when you're doing your analyses. Um, and I think that that's I, I found that just fascinating when they when they talked about it that way. Um, that wasn't something that I had anticipated either. Um, and when we were kind of talking about it behind the scenes, it was it was really cool um, to hear to hear that. Um, of course, then I thought, oh, my data, my precious data. <laughs> but you know, um, I think that 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 insight right there um, is probably worth more than than any sort of. Um, you know, correlation that I, I could have gotten otherwise. Yeah, like the power of positive thinking, or what? Well, not even just the power of positive thinking, but the, the you know, positive thinking is one thing, but the necessity of being able to mm. push away any shred of doubt. I mean, even even to the point where you know you could see. Um, you know, somebody kind of pushing away doubt um, in a way that would would actually be counterproductive in the long term. You know, I mean, we we laugh at players for the cliches that they spout off. Um, you know, oh, you know, everything's going great. We take it one day at a time. Everything's, um, go, you know, and uh, you know, just one game, one foot in front of the other. You know, whatever you want to. Um, we all know the the lines that they can just draw from, um, but. <laughs> the uh the the power of being able to say um you know i i didn't want to admit to myself that i was feeling bad um you know that that says something about okay how do you manage a team and how do you manage personalities when if you ask somebody straight out in you know in the clubhouse they may lie to you and you know that's that's something that that you have to take into account. And, and you know how do you tell how do you tell when a guy's lying? And what a fantastic insight into the player themselves that somebody yeah. that is in such a bottom line business really can't even admit to themselves to to a degree when they're not even feeling well, let alone not even hitting well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and and that you know, I'm sure that that goes for physical injuries, but. Um, because you know, guys will say, "Oh, I I feel great," and then you do an MRI and you find out that you know the shoulder or the elbow or the knee or whatever is is just in shreds. Um, and then later on, they say, "Well, you know, I was playing through the pain, and I just didn't, you know, right. I didn't want to say anything." And I think that that there's that's kind of evidence that we, there's probably an analogous process 
in terms of how people are feeling uh, in terms of either their mental health or their attitude or, um, you know, just kind of the, their feelings. <laughs> did you get a chance to ever see the data and or analyze it at all? Um, I did see the data um, at the time that they were actually writing the book. Um, they picked just an awful time in my life for me to be trying to analyze um, data that um, was 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 fairly complicated in terms of what they were what they had in mind um and so i i just really wasn't able to to do that um i think uh john chenier did some stuff for them that um uh that uh appeared in the book um i i mean i had i i took a, a cursory glance at it and i i think i gave some some overall guidance but at that at that particular time um, I just wasn't able to do it. I mean, that's 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 the unfortunate part of of having, um, you know, free free advisors is that you know I had I had other stuff I had to do that was paying me. So yeah, unfortunately, that stuff called real life. Yeah, yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, final question I kind of want to ask you on this subject is, and I asked this of Sam when I had him on a podcast recently, yeah. and I asked him, you know, because he wrote a few of the chapters on team chemistry. And I asked him if he thought we were going to be, if we were getting any closer to, you know, solving team chemistry. And obviously that's a very big buzz, you know, using scare quotes. But he said that, in fact, from his experience, he thought that we were probably farther away because it wasn't just the 25-man chemistry. It was the two-man chemistry. It was the three-man chemistry. It was the four and and so on. I kind of want to ask you from your, you know, research point of view and just in general, where are we at with, you know, understanding team chemistry with baseball and in sports and kind of what's the next frontier? We have no clue. Okay. I mean, we are, we are, (laughs) I I think that there's probably a good amount of value in that I would say maybe 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, if you started bringing up issues of chemistry among people who were, you know, honestly trying to do research in baseball, you would have gotten either a confused look or a dismissive <laughs> look, or you know, maybe um, maybe a few unkind words thrown your way. Um, I think now that the fact that you know people are saying, okay, well, there's probably some amount of value that it 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 has. I don't think that we have a good idea of how much value there is i mean i don't know if we we don't even know are we looking at something that could be 20 wins worth of of uh, of value or you know half a win if you do everything right versus you know do everything wrong um i think that a lot of the way it generally works in the best that i've been able to figure out both in you know just kind of doing what i can on the edges and and in talking to people is that there's there's kind of you know there's the the distance between everybody hates each other and you know everybody kind of minimally follows the don't be a um uh a jerk is another word i was going to use but there's a family podcast uh but the, the the don't be a jerk rule um it is is just much bigger than the the distance from okay everybody minimally follows don't be a jerk to everybody just absolutely loves each other um, there's just so much more downside risk than there is upside. Um, but at the same time, I mean, if there is upside, you know, there's, there's upside to be had, you want to be able to, to maximize on that. Um, 
and you also want to you know create an environment where you don't you know you don't have people that are just completely you know going out and and playing the game and then they get back to the clubhouse and you know knife fights are about to break <laughs> out um but i i don't i i i don't think that we even have an idea of the magnitude of the problem quite yet um, that we haven't even really t- defined the space that we're working in. You know, you talk about 25-man chemistry, but, you know, two-man chemistry, three-man chemistry, you know, within the space of, you know, 25 people, you know, the thing I liken it to is that for those um, for those listeners who went to college and lived in a dorm, you know, your freshman year, there were probably, you know, 20 people on that, on, on your, you know, your hall or something like that, you know. And, you know, you, I'm sure, got along with some of them. You, um, maybe there was one that you didn't like. Um, maybe one of them turned out to be one of your best friends. You know, I'm thinking of, you know, my dorm in college. One of them, one of my uh, uh, hallmates ended up being a groomsman in my wedding. And one of them was actually my first roommate. And, and I haven't spoken to him since like six weeks after the first part of school when I uh, moved out of that room and into another room, you know. Um <laughs> So I mean, there's there's that, and and how much is it that you know if I get along with 22 people on the team, and there are two two of them people that I just can't stand, you know, is that um, you know I've got 11 times more good relationships than I do bad, but is it possible that you know those two bad relationships sour everything? Um, so I mean, we just we don't have we don't even have a way to to. Uh, to say what is the space that we're working in um, and conceptualize um, how to measure it in the way that, you know, on the field stuff, we have, you know, a set of defined rules. Um, You know, now you're just dealing with human relationships are just infinitely more uh, complicated than figuring out whether somebody's likely to hit a triple or a double. Not to mention the fact that it changes on a daily basis, literally. Yeah, yeah. you got Not guys mention, coming up from the AAA yeah. shuttle, you know. And your attitude towards people change on a daily basis. Hey, that That's guy true. was really nice, or that guy was a jerk yesterday. So it's it's not even a static problem. To well, try you know, to solve. figure that you know I'm I'm a married man, and I can't you know my my wife and I our relationship changes on a daily basis. You know that's that's true. And that's one person. Now that's now multiply am. it by <laughs> twenty four plus uh, coaches and everything else. Yeah, what it just uh, well. Um, on that note, Russell, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd love to transition uh, from the book, if I could. Um, I got a bunch of questions, kind of shorter variety, from uh, the Banished to the Pen crew that I'd like to yeah. go through. Maybe not quite in a rapid-fire fashion, but, you know, kind of in that in that vein. Okay, five. All right, here we go. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, first New Zealand. First question I got for you is, um, how did you get into sports writing and, and writing about baseball, considering your, uh, you know, psychology background? I, because I was, you know, I needed an escape. Um, I, <laughs> um, you know, when I, when I started, I was actually, I was in graduate school. I was, um, and gosh, this is, I, it's been, I, I first started writing about baseball almost 10 years ago, um, and I was writing for a website that doesn't exist anymore. It was called Statistically Speaking, and um, some of it was I I um, 
I had read, you know, I'd done the cliche, I read Moneyball, I read Baseball Between the Numbers, and I had that moment of, wait a minute, I know how to do this. <laughs> Not, you know, this is bad, I, I could do better. It's like, no, I, this is cool, I, but I know how to do this. I know what they're talking about, and I had a research background and a stats background, and I was in a research program. And so I, you know, I figured, well, I, I could do this. And I was at a conference once, and I was bored. And so I was, uh, you know, the speakers were, you know, blah, 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 Charlie Brown's parents, and um, and I started sketching out some baseball stuff, and I, um, I ended up using some of that as, as for some of my first articles, and I, um, I, I was just kind of bored and needed a, a hobby, and the baseball stuff was uh, was really interesting. Um, I, you, you know, I mean, it's I, I did I started out um, at statistically speaking after somebody had seen some blog stuff that I wrote because it was, you know, 2006, 2007 and everybody had a blog mm-hmm. and I was writing in part about the show Gilmore Girls and uh, in part about weird news stories that I found and then in part uh, about baseball and, uh, the you know, the baseball stuff was uh, um, turned out to be the one that, that actually survived it, uh, although Gilmore Girls is coming back on Netflix, so um, maybe I'll go back and write about that again. No letters to Cleo? I, you know, I, I didn't normally write about them, but uh, uh, still one of my favorite bands in the world. And uh, uh, for those who have, uh, wonder why my Twitter handle is Pizza Cutter 4, it's after a Letters to Cleo song. So um, good uh, good random 90s reference uh, for those of you who remember obscure, you know, one-hit wonder mm-hmm. 90s bands. Although if you saw Parks and Rec, you saw that they were, uh, uh, they, they made an appearance there. Yeah, very early crush of mine, the uh, lead singer of Letters to Cleo, yes. Uh, I uh, I hear you. <laughs> uh, on that note, next question, a uh, little more seriously probably, but uh, yeah. recently an effectively wild episode kind of talked about some of the advances uh, in medicine and, and Major League Baseball, and, and we touched yeah. on this a little bit off air, but and, and where the potential invasion of privacy aspect, kind of where that lies or where that line is, yeah. I, I've just kind of, uh, you know, want to get your take on that. Uh, we we were talking a little bit off air about the David Wright situation, but just yep. where is that line? Because I feel like we probably already know too much about these men's health. Well, yeah, and I mean, there's there there's I mean, there's two things. There's there's from the public aspect of it, and then there's from the uh, the team aspect of it. Um, you know, for example, when we talk about David Wright, and you know, news broke today that he needs surgery, and um, there were all kinds of lovely details about uh, various vertebrae of his, and um, and you know, stuff. I'm like, I don't need to know that. I, I it's exceptional you know, I, what they but, give to but, the I mean, public. But realistically, I mean, I know, and I can I can go online, and I could I could know more about David Wright's orthopedic health than I might know about you know my best friend's health. You know, I mean. It, it, Guy I've known, for, you know, a couple guys I've known since high school that, you know, I'm still friends with all, you know, 20 years later, and I I don't have that kind of level of knowledge of their their health unless they were to tell me something. Um, but hey, I want to know something about David Wright. I just go on Google, and within five minutes, I'll um, I'll have enough to spout a completely uninformed opinion about him. Um, and everybody, and you know, anybody could do that. Um, and you know, that's. There's that, you know, as a psychologist, and I remember listening to that episode and thinking, well, it's even muddier in um, in terms of things that would be, you know, in the psychological domain. 
um, because there's this idea that, okay, well, you know, with medical information, teams have, I don't know, a right, but they, they, they at least have a right to ask and an expectation that the player would say yes, that, you know, if, if they want to have a doctor look at their shoulder or their elbow or something like that, that the team can ask to have that done because that is just kind of part and parcel of being an elite professional athlete, that your physical health is, is just part of the equation. Um, and, and that's, um, you know, that's, that's an expectation that they have. Um, you know, then you get into, okay, well, um, you know, one thing I might assess as, as a psychologist might be, you know, some neurological skills, um, reaction time, processing speed. Baseball requires that you make a lot of quick decisions. So how good are you at making, you know, uh, a bunch of quick decisions in whatever, you know, way we, we do? Uh, uh, sustained attention. Um, there are a number of, of tests that are out there uh, that could be used. Um, and you think about it and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, those are at least skills that are baseball skills that, you know, we could, we could honestly say, you know, that's, that's something that a team would, would at least be within their rights to know. Well, then you get into, um, you know, some other things that where the line gets a little murkier. Um, you know, how, how do we handle, for example, um, if a player has certain anxieties, uh, what if a player is going through a tough time interpersonally? Um, you know, if I'm assessing a guy and I, um, he says something about, you know, he's having trouble in his marriage, you know, and the team wants to know, okay, well, what did he talk about? And, you know, maybe he's, they've seen him on the field. He's been having a really tough time and he hasn't said anything. And, you know, now I'm in this, uh, in, in possession of this piece of information. And, yeah. you know, I could say, you know, he's been, he's been having trouble with his marriage and it's uh it seems to be affecting his play on the field and it's, it'd be easy to make that uh that connection um so you know does the team have a right to know that um could a team for example um with a young player who they're trying to sign up to a long-term extension could they come in and say okay well you know is he worried about financial security is this is this a point of leverage that we could use over him mm. um as we try and get him to sign you know a team friendly contract that's going to put him you know going to put eight figures worth of 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 money in his bank account but it's going to be a significantly below market deal for us and so you know he's he's just leaving money on the table um so i mean there that would be a one of those ethical issues that um that uh, I'm sure that you know psychological co uh, consultants uh, on teams would have to step around uh, and are, are you know are already thinking about. Um, I was thinking also family history. I mean, do they do they have a right yeah. to know what your your mother and father if they've had you know That's whether true. it's psychological or it's uh, physiological problems? I mean, I'm sure a team would like to know if the father blew out his hip at 30 years of age or had heart problems. But yeah, I mean, what is, do you, where's that what line? About, yeah. And then, you know, for something that I would do, what if, uh, what if you have parents who um, have had substance abuse issues in the past? You know, we know thousand, that that puts somebody at, at higher risk of substance abuse issues themselves. Um, and, you know, is that, is that something that they want to factor into a risk profile when they're trying to uh, make a determination of whether, you know, this person is a good uh, candidate to sign a, you know, extension? Um, you know, that's, that's, those are, th that, there are certain elements of kind of a person's 
what you might call their history or their their life story that we generally as a society say that they have a you know you have a right to privacy over um, you, you know you can disclose that if you want and that's that's your business but if you want to keep them private that that that's something that you know you have a um, you have a right to keep to yourself um, and and from your employer as well um, but you know again in, in that in that weird space where uh, baseball players are um, are, 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 are not afforded the kind of common decency of, of medical privacy that we, we accord to just about everybody else in the world. Um, it, they, they do operate in a very weird space. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I've got, you know, bulletproof stuff here, but as a professional, uh, and I, I don't see patients anymore, but, um, but as a professional um, who, who, if I were in that situation, um, there would be a lot of, you know, code of ethics searching and, um, you know, around, okay, what, what can I disclose and what can I say to the player that I will and won't disclose and, you know, what do I have a responsibility from the point of view of trying yeah. to be an ethical human being and an ethical psychologist versus trying to be as complete and thorough an assessor as I can to the person who's paying my bills, the team. Um, and then, you know, even going further into the, the public sphere would be a little bit easier because um, there would be a little bit more understanding that, you know, if somebody is having interpersonal problems, they may not want that broadcast all over sports talk radio. But, you know, but America has a right to know, you know. And we always seem to find it out somehow. We do. And that's, you know, it's it's a very weird space that baseball players live in. Yeah. Um Goodness, we talked about that for that time, and it seems like it's it, we come to a murkier answer or a murkier feeling than yeah. I even when we started. So that's all right. Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, it was insightful though. So uh, next, uh, actually, is a couple questions from your fellow uh, author at BP, uh, Rob Maines. Mm. So uh, he wants to know how you select your topics to write about. Uh, <laughs> do you have a plan, or do they just come to you? I- um, I get them in the shower. Um, there's the, a there's is, a visual. Is, <laughs> is the honest answer. I I mean, it, I I would love to say that I have I, I, that I have this you know brilliant three step process that for coming up with ideas. I mean, honestly, the the, the process is. I guess I got to write about something. Um, hmm. And you know, I, I usually publish on Tuesday, so I um, by about Thursday of, of the week, I'm like, okay, I need to have a topic. And sometimes it'll just be I'll hear you know whatever the the big scandal of the week is, or a, a question, or some issue that had come up naturally in the news. I'll I'll like, oh, I have an angle I could pull on that. Um, I have a file of just kind of stuff that I want to you know for a down week, or if there's something that. Um, that I've always wanted to explore. That I've, you know, I just need a topic. I can go into that particular document. Um, but you know, really, it's just kind of, you know, you're you're sitting around, you're thinking about baseball, or something else comes up in life that you're like, you know, I could apply that to baseball. Um, that's that's pretty much it. And and I mean, the reason I say the shower is like it's the only place where I actually have quiet time um, because I have three kids, and so it's it's not. <laughs> It's not often very quiet to where I can hear myself think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I um, I probably come up with three quarters of my article ideas 
um, while I'm showering. So um, I'm sorry to put that image in everybody's head, but um, you asked the question, so there it is. Well, building off that answer, uh, are there any areas that uh, that particularly interest you or, or you want to do more research on going forward? I, I, I find myself um, just lately um, – I, I have found myself really specifically avoiding the idea of I want to pick one topic and just really go deep on it. Um, I have really just kind of, I don't know, for the past few months, very specifically said I, I just kind of want to grab a, a topic and maybe do an article or two on it. Um, and that's... Uh, and, and just kind of and not and in one week it might be you know something that's really hardcore or statistical in one week it's you know kind of a uh, more theoretical or more conceptual and one week it might be about pitching and one week it might be about team chemistry and um, and I mean there are going to be threads that run through all my stuff just because I'm I'm me um, but you know I, I've I've kind of specifically gone away from you know, kind of staking out one area of space and, um, uh, and, and, and going deep on that. Um, not because there's not value in that. I mean, I, that's, that's wonderful if somebody out there is thinking, um, that they want to, you know, pick one particular area and write for like three months about it. That's cool and go for it. And, and that's awesome. Um, just from what I've wanted to do, that's just not been my way of going about it. Yeah, just as a reader, I feel like you've been doing a little bit of, you know, stuff that's building on each other. You'll do one or two that kind of build off the idea, and then you'll try another tangent, if, if that's the yeah. right word. I mean, like, um, to, to, to tease stuff that's coming up next week for, you know, um, like, I actually did write um, uh, with uh, Kate Morrison on the the site. We're actually writing about um, front offices and, and, you know, who's in, who's in front offices and what we can learn about um, by studying them and, um, and then, of course, the, the, the question that we, of course, get the most often, which is, um, you know, how can I get into a front office and get a job with that? And we kind of uh, – it started off with I just wanted to do the, the math on that, and um, it had some interesting tangents that went off on that. So that's coming up next week. Um, and uh, Sam, if you're listening, I totally tease this, and um, I'm hoping you're actually going to put it up next week. She is a fantastically talented writer. Okay. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's been a great addition to BP. I'm a big yeah. fan of her work. Absolutely. Oh. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, to answer the question, if you want to work at a front office, have an uncle that owns part of the team. You know, there's <laughs> that's the amount of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a family, uh, friends, brothers, and relatives type business. I, yeah. Unfortunately, there's there's a little bit of that. So, um, but read the stories uh, <laughs> next week. It's a four parter. So. Uh, and the final question I have for you, Russell, also, this one's uh, from Rob. I mean, I could ask you questions all day, but, you know, mm-hmm. trying to be a little a little bit okay, kind of thoughtful in your time. Uh, Joe Sheehan recently did a piece on baseball podcasts and listed Effectively Wild as his uh, number one podcast. We'll go present company excluded. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any uh, podcasts that you listen to and any favorite podcasts? Uh, baseball or, or uh, in in general? <laughs> I mean, I I would I mean, go I have, with I have a couple of baseball ones. I would go I, with I, both. I listen to yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I you know my my podcast my baseball podcast uh, 
list is, you know, kind of the ones you, you might expect, and I'm sure a lot of people will listen to, um, effectively wild, obviously. Um, and, uh, I mean, like, you know, Fangraph's audio is, uh, is, is really nice. And I, um, uh, yeah, Buster Olney's baseball tonight, I'll listen to that. And, um, uh, wait, let me, let me open iTunes here and, uh, see what else I have on here. But, um, but, uh, Let's, oh yeah, Jonah Carey's podcast. I love Jonah Carey's podcast. Even he's like great guests. I, I like he's one of the most interesting people that's out there. I mean, I um, even when he's like talking about stuff, he did he did an episode on uh, with a, a, an indoor lacrosse team, and I'm sitting here thinking I don't know anything about indoor lacrosse, and it was like one of the most like best hours of just sitting around talking that I I'd, I'd ever heard, um, and I I love that uh, that sort of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, like, and then I'm looking through the rest of my stuff, and I'm, um, like, there's actually, like, funny enough, one of the must-listen-to, like, when I see this one pop into um, into my list um, that I immediately queue it up, like, in front of all the other ones, it's one actually on educational policy um, that I, I listen to, that I, I, I just love listening to, and it's American Radio Works hmm. um, that's, uh, that's out there, and it's... Um, it's just fascinating and it's I don't know 10 15 minutes every week that um, that they they talk to some person in in education and uh, talk about some piece of that and as somebody who you know was a child psychologist and I worked in schools and I'm still interested in in the learning process and um, and how um, how that all fits into um, kind of broader society that's that's uh, that's just that's candy for me um, I love doing uh, that sort of stuff. And then you get into, um, you know, like the Vox Weeds podcast is awesome. Um, I love that one. And then um, my my guilty pleasure one, um, <laughs> Prime Minister's Questions from the UK. And I don't know if uh, if if everyone's going to under will know what this is, but um, in the UK, the Prime Minister, who is now uh, David Cameron, um, by tradition, every Wednesday has to go into the House of Commons and um, basically anybody can can ask him any question and um, and and you know people from his party and people from the opposing parties and then they'll have the the leader of the opposition party will get up and ask him a series of questions and it's it, it's it, it's interesting because first off they all have delightful British accents hmm. um, but they uh, they they they'll yell at each other and they'll they'll take pretty pretty uh, um, saucy shots at each other too, just like standing in front of each other. Um, you can watch this on C-SPAN at, uh, too uh, if you want to uh, see it. Um, and they'll kind of bicker with each other and they'll yell at each other and then everybody else in the in the building will go. Eh, 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 and, um, it's. It, it's 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 raucous it's weird and it's and you're dealing with you know i know more about british politics than i i care to mention i guess just because of that um but it's uh um it, it's just such a fun listen so um prime minister's questions you can get it off of any number of sites uh uh that's out there so uh recommendations if you're if you're look, looking for something fun to listen to that's that's my uh mine there that's very very funny. I, I actually got to go check that out. That sounds yeah. right up my alley. That sounds yeah. too funny. So, uh, Russell, uh, I, I could ask you questions all night and you know pick your brain, but uh, 
I think it's time to uh, say goodbye to the audience. So uh, yes. how about a spot here for your plugs where people can find you on Twitter, where they can find you, uh, you know, your work at, at BP and everything else? Uh, well, let's see. Twitter, I am Pizza Cutter 4 um, which, you know, I mean, I suppose I should have, you know, I should be Russell Carlton at B, or BP or something, but um, I signed up for Twitter just kind of back when it was a new thing and picked my <laughs> picked my uh, and for uh, those my, that haven't heard the story, alias, yeah. <laughs> tell the story because I think it's hilarious. I well, I used to Pizza Cutter was my DJ name in college, and um, I, it was after I, we mentioned a little earlier after a, a song by the name uh, by the band Letters to Cleo, and it's called Pizza Cutter, and I used to open my show with with that song, and so I would say, you know, um, I am the Pizza Cutter. This is the Pizza Cutter show, and we just started off with the Pizza Cutter song on WKCO ninety one point nine FM in Gambier, Ohio, and that was my um, that was my DJ name, and so actually when I started writing um, uh, about baseball. I use that as my my alias online because I was working as a therapist at the time, <laughs> and therapists get more than their fair share of stalkers. So I needed a way to just kind of protect my anonymity, and so I just kind of became pizza cutter. So the first couple of years I was writing about baseball, people just kind of knew me as pizza cutter, and and my my real name was kind of an open secret among the people who were also writing about it, and I was never I mean it was never anything I would just kind of, you know, keep secret uh, from anybody who asked, but I didn't want to make it easy for people to find me online. Um, so I just kind of always had that that moniker. So um, so I figured when I got on Twitter, um, I would just be, um, I would be Pizza Cutter, but somebody had already taken it. And so I had to do, okay, well, I got to be Pizza Cutter something else. So four is my favorite number um, for no other reason than I just like the number four. And so I became Pizza Cutter 4. So that's that's my Twitter handle right there in a in a in a in a little box. Um, so, you know, that's my uh, my big story there. Um, but you can find me on Twitter right there. And let's see, uh, you can find me at BP. Um, I usually publish on Tuesdays unless Sam needs to balance out the schedule and pushes me to Wednesday or something like that. And I'm in the Effectively Wild Facebook group. I will hang out there sometimes. Not to say that I do it during my real job, because that would, of course, not be an effective use of my company time. But maybe um, if you check the timestamps, things kind of don't always seem to work out. But, you know, whatever. Funny how that works. Yeah. I, it's just, you know, these things happen sometimes. Time zones um, are, you know, they never match up. Times, it's, you know, it's how Santa makes it all the way around the world, you know, time zones and. Uh, wibbly wobbly timey wimey, you know. Um, so that's uh, there's that, and past that, I mean, if you want to just wander around Atlanta, um, I guess the other plug I'll put in there is that um, we're doing actually an event uh, for BP at Turner Field on uh, July 16th, um, which is a Saturday night, um, and we're doing. Uh, we have some BP authors. I'll be there, um, and a couple other people will be. Uh, hanging out there, and we also have uh, John Capolella, who's the GM of the Braves, has very graciously decided to come down and uh, do a Q&A for everybody. So um, if you're in the Atlanta area or within shouting distance of Atlanta and want to make a, uh, a Saturday trip out to see a Braves game and uh, to uh, hang out with other BP readers, and um, we'll all be watching the game together. So uh, you can go on the website and find uh, find those tickets. I hope they haven't sold out because now I've said that and somebody's going to want to go, oh, great, and then uh, 
then they'll yell at me because they're all sold out. But I honestly don't know if they have or not. I don't, uh, I've gone to three of the events, certainly not at Turner Field, but I've been to three of them, and they are must-attend. They are fantastic if you can get to. So definitely, uh, it, it like you say, if you're in the Atlanta area or anywhere around, definitely check it out and uh, look for his columns on Tuesdays and look for the Pizza Cutter 4 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I command you to, to follow me on Twitter or something like that. So That is still my favorite. I love that I command you to read. That is one of my favorites every day. I you know <laughs> started off three years ago. Just somebody asked me. I, I started off with, I just said, read this. And because, you know, it's, it's text, somebody, somebody wrote back and said, are, did, did you say, are you saying you read this? Or are you telling, are you commanding people to read it? And oh. so I said, I command you to read. And I just kind of, the next day, I, so I started just saying, I command you to read uh, as my, the next day when I was linking other stuff. And it just kind of went from there. And I've been doing it for three years. And it's my, it's, it's now my Twitter catchphrase. So that and gory math. Gory math. Yeah. It's funny how things <laughs> work out in life. And the, the silly things we do, you know, one day just kind of half thinking of it uh, become, become the memes that, uh, that, that define our lives. So yeah, that's our, uh, that's, that's, that's funny how that works. So, well, Russell, you're, uh, you're always one of my favorite guests to talk to. I always learn so much when I get to talk to you and interview you a little well, bit. So, so thank you so very much for coming on and, uh, I hope to have you on, uh, sometime in the future. I'll look forward to it and I'll, I'll be around. You know where to find me. Thank you very much, doctor. <laughs> And that was episode 56 of the Banish to the Pen podcast with our special guest, Russell Carlton, the doctor. Uh, I really want to thank him for uh, coming on the show again. Uh, what a great guest and just such a smart man and so insightful with what's going on. And I love the lens that he looks through the game at. Uh, always, uh, I just really appreciate uh, his take and listening to him talk. So uh, thank you to him. I'd also like to thank everybody involved in Banish to the Pen. Uh, we have a lot of great writers, technical staff, people working behind the scenes, uh, working really hard to put out what I think is a really great product every day. So uh, tip of the cap and uh, job well done to you guys. Uh, tip of the beer as well. So great job, guys. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, I am Ryan Sullivan at NatsGM.com on Twitter. I encourage everybody to uh, spread the word on the show. Tell your friends, download, subscribe, rate and review it on iTunes and all that good stuff. And one final reminder, be nice to your fellow listeners. <laughs>